it's it was like I was like talking and screaming for help, but I just felt like nobody was actually hearing me. Um, and I think that's so, you know, relatable just in everyday life. Like you can tell a million people the same story, but when you have one person who finally actually hears you, you feel like, okay, what I said was heard. And now I think I'm ready to move forward and deal with that. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage, and today we're talking with Alexa Womack. She graduated from one of the top-ranking fashion design schools in the country, which then gave her the opportunity to work in fashion in New York City. What sounds like a predictable future in fashion was then completely changed in the opposite direction when she decided to pursue global missions work in Australia. After an unexpected series of events in the missions field, Alexa has returned to the U.S. to pursue one of her many passions of developing leaders in her community through her coaching and training. Alexa's story is truly inspiring, and her honesty on this episode around faith, personal growth, failure, and leadership will truly make you self-reflect throughout the entirety of today's episode as we discuss some very important and raw topics. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. You graduated Auburn, and then what happened? So I moved to New York, worked for um, Mary-Kate and Ashley up there. It was actually funny. I told God, you know, I'm going anywhere in the world um, to do my internship, but I don't want to go to New York City. And I think there's just this huge, you know, intimidation factor for what that would entail. You know, the whole culture of it was so different and so fast paced. Um, And so every day just felt like I was kind of, you know, praying my way through it. But I also learned a lot. Um, I graduated from Auburn with apparel design degree. So that was, you know, the last requirement that I needed to, to finish up there. And then I moved home for, I think it was about three weeks before heading off to Australia. Um, My brother-in-law and sister had done um, this thing called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And so I um, really was anticipating doing a discipleship training school. We also call them, you know, DTSs. Um, And I don't know, I knew that I was graduating college and I had spent a lot of I mean, most of my life in school and really wanted to experience something different. And obviously I was super passionate about my faith and wanting to explore that. Um, So moved over to Australia for uh, what I thought would only be six months, I guess I would say. So I did, you know, a three month uh, lecture phase and then two months of outreach in um, Africa, which was awesome. Um, And I never really thought that God would call me long term to do that. I think the game plan was, okay, I'll just come back and Um, jump back into the fashion industry and see what that entails. But um, I don't know, I really felt I got there quickly and really felt on my heart that I had a gift for ministry and I had, you know, just a deep love for people and seeing different cultures and working with young people um, to help them see and understand more of themselves and who God is in that. Um, And so moved back and I don't know, there's kind of a long story to that. Um, I've been, I had worked in missions and lived in Australia and traveling abroad to several different nations for for a couple of years before moving back to the states last year that's an amazing story and i'm excited to hopefully unpack bits and pieces of it today but tell me about at least when i hear that it's like okay so i'm in apparel merchandising or design excuse me which which is uh auburn is a phenomenal school for that nationally ranked you go to new york city which is kind of the that's a huge accomplishment in itself to be in fashion and be in new york and then all of a sudden now you're across the globe doing missions. Yeah. So what am I missing here? <laughs> was there, was missions, excuse me, was missions in in the back of your mind or your heart or your spirit the whole time? And then you're like, maybe I want to try this fashion thing. And then you're like, oh, I need to come back. Or did something happen when you were in New York that you felt called or, or left? Because I feel like that yeah. those two things are like completely opposite. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so tell me about that. So there's that. a couple, like, I guess, of pivotal points. Uh, the first one really came, I think, my sophomore year of college. Um, I had never been on a mission trip before, and I decided to apply through my church with a bunch of strangers that I didn't even know. But I thought, well, this will be cool. It's only for a week. I'll use my spring break to do that. Um, And while we were there, um, this was recently, too, after I changed my major to apparel design because beforehand I was um, dreaming of being a dolphin trainer and (laughs) living in Panama City. But um, I made that change and, you know, went on this mission trip, and we worked with women um, in a design school there. And it was a first 
I guess, cross-cultural experience I ever really had of seeing people who were different from me and spoke a different language from me, had a different culture, and yet they loved the same God I did. And I felt very... I guess all of my life I've always felt like I've had multiple passions and have been like, how do I, you know, walk this path that God has called me to? Because I feel like there's so much diversity and uniqueness, you know, kind of in it. Um, But I really felt that the Lord after that trip really just opened up things in my mind to show me that. um, And I I think a lot of New York City was was him showing me because I, I have a dream that's kind of in my heart to ultimately Um, work with women around the world and and build design schools or just equip them with, you know, tools that they're already using and doing um, to shine a light um, in those nations. But anyways, um, yeah, I learned a lot from from that experience. And I think God taking me to New York was really him showing me that you don't have to put me in a box. Um, I think so oftentimes when we, you know, in the Christian world and following Christ and whatever, we just think, oh, well, we just need to do the cute missionary-minded vision and idea. But I think when you understand, like, God's power and who he is and that he's the creator of the universe, like, he was trying to show me, like, I can take you to places where you can walk with the elite and be amongst the highest quality of goods and textiles and, you know, whatever else. But I would say the second pivotal point that really provoked my heart to ministry, um, I lost one of my friends my senior year at Auburn, and that was really devastating for me. But I think it really sobered up my judgment of what's really important in life and what really mattered. Um, And it was important for me to get my you know, degree under my belt at Auburn and to put that behind me before going out into the mission field. But I would say when I, you know, finished up my time in New York and set foot to Australia, I was really broken and, you know, really had no idea how am I going to go and and do all this, you know, mission experiences and share with people when I was questioning my own faith at the time. So I don't know, I guess it's a little bit um, complex what really led me to that. But I would say I've always had the passion for textiles and fashion and high quality clothing and also just really love people in Jesus so amazing before we kind of jump off of New York which I feel like we'll probably ultimately <laughs> always come back to New York yeah. but what was the reaction like I'm just curious of co-workers people you met in New York friends family of you know you went to Auburn you graduated from a nationally renowned school within Auburn in in your industry now you're going working at Mary Kate Nashley and it sounds like the beginning of the next big fashion designer like you you know you got that you went to the big city you're making connections you're working at one of the uh, you know a great well-known brand and then all of a sudden it feels like you go 180 what what was just from a just from the outsiders looking in what was the reaction of people around you like I said, friends, family, coworkers, do people understand it? Did they question it? Were they supportive? Just take me through that. Well, it's kind of funny because when you ask that, it makes me realize that I think I have been blessed with the fact that I just don't really consider a lot of what people think. <laughs> and I think that's, I don't say that to, you know, elevate myself in any way, but I think it really is true. I've always had this deep knowing of, um, and I would say this deep, connection in my walk with God that I truly just like hear his voice and and trust in in his guidance that when he asks me to do something or he brings me to a place it's just me and him at the end of the day you know he's the one that goes with me into all these places where I don't know a soul you know even my time in New York I would probably tell you I really didn't make that many relationships there and the industry is so cut and dry that when it's your last day, well, they're just worried about, you know, who they need to brief for tomorrow's introduction. And so um, I would say I have a great family around me who, um, especially my sister, who's always just been extremely supportive of those dreams that I've had. Um, And I think that, you know, having parents who have loved me enough to see me fall on my face and risk things that didn't maybe go like I'd hoped, but I learned lessons in the process um, was just a really big blessing just that I I feel like I had good people around me and I think that that was what helped me to have the courage to put myself in those situations that I otherwise would have never done at all so you said something a couple of minutes ago that I've been itching to ask you about and that was this idea that you know you went to Australia on New Zealand on a missions Mm -hmm. trip in a time in your life where you felt like 
you weren't 100% in your faith. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I feel like that's that's every day for so many people, yeah. myself included. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I think if you're not a Christian today and you're listening to this or you're just a Christian is all, you know, you can mm -hmm. see that, you know, a lot of people in, that you go to church with, that, you know, your friends that you see in social media mm -hmm. are always trying to portray this like strength, strength, strength. Yeah. I've got it all together. It's great. But, you know, you and I both know mm -hmm. this, and that's that <laughs> that is not the case. No. And that just because you're a believer in Jesus, mm -hmm. things don't get easier. No. It's not like all of a sudden you, you're taking this medicine every day and you're immune to getting sick. Like you are still a human through and through 100%. Mm -hmm. And and if if we're being honest, to me, sometimes I feel like it almost think, makes things more challenging oh, because sure. you're having to, you know, not live for your flesh. You're not having to act impulsively. And there is that spiritual gut check inside you of mm -hmm. like, you shouldn't do this or why are you doing mm -hmm. this? Whereas, you know, the non-believer may, and I hate talking generalities, so yeah. I don't want to go too far <laughs> down this rabbit hole, but can just kind of act on things and whatever happens, happens. And so talk to me about that and how, what, what was that kind of spiritual warfare like for you of maybe doubting yourself and maybe questioning why am I doing this? How did you get through that? And, and just from the perspective of whatever you're going to say, obviously yeah. this is your story, but I just want to touch on this because I think that this is super relatable for myself included yeah. first and foremost, but everyone <laughs> listening because we all go through those stages and I'm just curious what you've learned. Yeah, I think something that I've just been dying like to even say to the world probably for the last two years of my life is that I have never questioned my faith and like, this walk with Jesus more in my life than now and like every day for the past two years. And I think, you know, for me, like God really showed me that there is no shame in asking questions. And I think so much we treat our relationships with our, our relationship with God, like it's so much different from, from people. Like we, you just expect that, Oh, well, I'm not going to ask the hard questions or whatever, because that could rock the boat. And I think, um, you know, that's not the case at all. I experienced so many um, situations in my life that really just put a lot of questions in me. And it, it made me realize that I had put God in this box. And so when things were happening in my life that were outside of my control or I didn't understand, um, it that box really just shattered for me. And I thought, well, either God is different than this or I'm hanging up the card on my faith and I'm just done. Um, and I think, you know, when I went into the mission field, I think that brokenness that I had in me and the openness to the idea, and I, I do think you have to be open to maybe I'm wrong and maybe I don't understand all of this whole walk with the Lord and, and who he is, but I'm willing to kind of leave things in in the tandem, I guess. I, I think so often we just want to get an answer for every question that we have. And I think that there are just some things on this side of heaven that are so complex that we will not understand. If anything, more in my walk with God now, I have more questions than ever before. But I will say I think it gives so much um, value to the message that Jesus loves you exactly for where you are and who you are and not that you have to get all your answers, you know, together and know that. And so when I, you know, moved over to Australia and um, was in the mission field and, and trying to even be like, how do I even share my faith with God when I'm questioning it the most? I found people related to that more than me being like, here's what I believe in here. And, you know, it's a whole other side of the, the spectrum, too. You, you know, you go into all these nations where there's different religion, there's different culture, and people believe things differently than you. I mean, there was a time in my life where I was like, who's to say that we're right? Um, and that was really confronting. And I thought I felt scared to say that question amongst a Christian organization and ministry. But then I figured out, you know, like there's a reason that that is tugging at my heart. And I think that we have to look at those questions that are there and be OK with not always having everything answered and knowing that God loves us and accepts us for where we are. And I don't know, just not, I guess, dehumanizing us being human and, yeah, kind of walking it out in faith. <laughs> That's awesome. I think you said a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one that that's that, you know, God accepts us, accepts us for where we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to super paraphrase here. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think about when you were talking about that of, you know, God wants us to question, which I think is absolutely 100 percent true, because 
you know, he knows he is who he says he is, and he wants us to believe that. And I think about when Jesus rose again from the cross and he went back and saw people and, you know, they said, you know, he said, look at the holes in my, you know, hands from where, you know, I was pierced and crucified. It wasn't like, how dare you, you know, you should just know who I am. And so I, I just think that that's what makes God so great. And that's what makes Christianity. I feel like sets it apart is that there, there is so much, not only biblical information, but so many people that have asked those same questions you've asked and reporters and people that have set out to just absolutely prove that everything is is a lie and that it's all built on this just you know legend from many many thousands of years ago those people end up becoming the strongest believers because there is so much evidence out there of jesus did walk this earth and he did perform miracles and he is who he says he is and there are all these different accounts and so that's been something that i've been fascinated with um just in my own kind of spiritual journey in the church that I attend in Atlanta of I've got to actually hear from Lee Strobel, which was the guy yeah. that, that went after that. And it was really neat to see all these different people that have set out against it. And, and I, I don't think though that that's enough. Like if you're listening to this podcast today and you're like, eh, I don't know about, you know, if, if Jesus is real or not, or I'm questioning my faith or is this for me or what's this whole deal about being a believer in Jesus that you can just say, oh, Lee Strobel found it out and then I can hang up my thing. It's like, no, we have to all, you know, seek God. And I think what's so beautiful about it, and I'll stop talking last the next question, but it's just that God, you said it perfectly, like God wants us to ask those questions. God wants us to seek him. Like we are all made in his image. He doesn't say run away or, or believe me or not. He says, you know, come to me all who are weary. Like you know, he is our refuge and strength. He is our source of wisdom. He is our source of, he is our comforter. And then the the second to last thing that you said that I really loved was, and this was something that I'm so passionate about that in my times of struggle of faith that I focused on is the person of God. Like there are so many scriptures that talks about God is a jealous of God. You know, when you really start to seek out those scriptures in the Bible and, and it describes God's personality, he's loving, he's kind, but he's also you know, he can get angry. He's, he got angry at the Israelites. <laughs> you know, Jesus got frustrated with the disciples. They fell asleep on him, you know. And so I, I think that when you stop looking at Christianity as this book or as a religion or just this thing I do on Sunday and you start to seek out God and, and, and you ask God, like, show me who you are. You know, speak to me. Reveal to me. Let me read your words. Show me who you are. Like, it's all there. And I think that that's, to me, for, at least for me, where kind of my faith went from a place of, I, I never really asked those questions, but I think for me, my personal story was like, I was always like, okay, well, what's this applicable to me? Yeah. Like all my life I was, you know, you grow up in church and you're just told you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And Tim Tebow said this a couple of weeks ago that really struck me. I was in a small audience with him and Ravi Zacharias and Tebow said, you know, someone asked the question of how, how can I break addiction like how I'm struggling with sin like and Tim said you know for me in those times of struggle I don't think about all the things I don't get to do it's all the things that I get to do like I get to you know live a life with the creator of the universe I get to have a personal relationship and that helps me and so that's just one thing that's really struck me was you know we all are, are kind of we grew up and, and again I don't like generalities but like for many of us it was you know you can't drink you can't sleep around you can't do this you can't have fun you can't da 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 and so you know, it was a struggle. And at least that was kind of my story. And, you know, there's many podcast episodes on this that I've, I've openly talked about it. But then, you know, you know, you go to college and all of a sudden it's like, well, what's this and what's this? And let me taste this. And, you know, for once. And so anyways, so tell me about then you're we're obviously sitting in Alabama today. Yeah. So, so you're not overseas. I'm not overseas. Tell me about that. How did you get back here? Where Where is life taking you now? What's kind of the update? Are you going back to mission stuff? Have you kind of said, you know, because every day is a mission. I mean, we can walk down the street and there's people, but like the YWAM thing, is that a closed chapter? And you give me kind of that conclusion. Um, So that's kind of hard to to go just because there's a few parts in there. Um, but I'll start with the, the transition to coming home. Um, you know, obviously moving back over to Australia, there was, 
just a few things that I could not have, I guess, expected to kind of take place in the time I was in a relationship that I kind of thought was the end-all be-all. Um, and so in my head, I never really pictured I'd ever be sitting in a car in Alabama and saying, I live and work here anymore. Um, you know, at the time, my, my boyfriend was from overseas, and I just kind of had written off, you know, God, I'm going to follow you, and I think that means that I'm not moving back um, to America. And so when that relationship really fell through and didn't really go how I was expecting to, um, once again, I'm right back to kind of what we were talking about before. God, where are you in all of this? You know, I really thought you led me here. I thought you led me to this relationship. And now, you know, everything that I so-called had planned just wasn't really working out. Um, and that really hurt me deeply. Um, I think, too, working in the context of missions and ministry, um, it can be so easy to think, oh, we're, we're, we all, we're all brothers and sisters who just need to love each other. Um, well, it's not the most ideal living and working with the guy that you thought you were going to marry, you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. Um, and so that brought a lot of pain to me of, of God, why won't, why won't you take me out of the situation? Why am I still here? Um, and so looking back now, I could tell you that it actually caused a lot of trauma in me. I wouldn't have depicted it as that's what it was. But now as I'm currently working through counseling and therapy, I recognize that that was a big part of it. And um, for the sake of just keeping the peace amongst, um, you know, people in my ministry and students below me and all of that, um, I really suffered in silence and it was extremely painful um, and so I think it took me until I guess it was about a year ago last year in October and I won't go you know too much into into detail over this because honestly it's still something that I'm really working through and I, I do hope to put um, a large part of this story out there into the world maybe in a book I don't know maybe five years or so but um, it's still pretty fresh but I, I had a mental breakdown I was leading a team in South Africa um, I had battled with anxiety and depression in my life, you know, beforehand, but this was way different. Um, you know, I not only had the trauma of that broken relationship and working in ministry, but I just had trauma from things I had seen in various different countries of disease and sickness and death and suffering. And um, I think it all just kind of built up to its head for me to just blow and recognize I can't do this anymore. And it really took a phone call from, from someone who really deeply loved me and who had also struggled with depression and anxiety to say, how bad is bad for you, you know? And can you um, push past this and finish this outreach um, that I was leading at the time? And I think, you know, of course, I just hurried up with the phone call. I said, yes, I can do this. I'm okay. But, you know, that was the first time I really took inventory with my heart and where I was. And I just broke um, because I felt finally for the first time God just say like, hey, quit bucking up and quit trying to strengthen yourself and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just hauling on through like you're not okay here. And when I finally admitted that to myself, everything just came crashing down. I mean, two years worth of just pain and heartache and trauma and whatever and you know those two years were filled with many joys too that's what I think so hard sometimes is hanging in the balance both joy and pain that we experience in this life but um, I recognized at that time I was in a tremendous amount of pain and the best decision that I could make was to be honest first with myself about that um, and then to tell my co-leader and, and the rest of my students and my team that I needed to go and take care of myself first. Um, and so I got on a plane that day. I flew all the way around the world and went back to Australia um, for two days and then back to America. You can imagine the jet lag was awful. Um, but then came home and just started to try to pick up the pieces that were left of my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm only a year back. And I'd like to say that while, you know, God's really turned everything around and he has certainly turned a lot through the help of doctors and counseling and therapy and finally you know getting back into church community and I think finding even a job was normalizing for me um, someone who hadn't experienced that obviously you know beforehand I was in the fashion industry then I go to mission field and then I'm like now what I didn't really think I was coming back to this life um, and so yeah it's been a bit of a different change being back here in Alabama I'm working three jobs and um, you know maybe we can talk about in a minute kind of where my my true passion is and how I feel like God has taken those broken experiences and now really given me a platform that I love and feel called to pursue um, because I feel like that's going to be 
how I I still have this love for missions and reaching people internationally, but now through a different tool and means than I was doing before. First, I want to say I absolutely am so sorry to hear that. I recognize, like you said, it's still top of mind for you. It's still something you're working through. So I do want to ask one question around that, but feel free to deflect and we can move on and we can just cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> no, so I just want to <laughs> verbalize that to you. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry you're going through that. You talked about how things kind of had built up. Mm-hmm. Looking back on that and whether you know the answer to this now or not is fine, but did you ever sense that along the way you kind of, because I, I know who you are, but like we're mm-hmm. not besties by any means. Yeah. So I don't like know your personality. <laughs> I asked this question because I had a similar experience in my life, but rather than a couple years, it was like 20 something years. Yeah. But when I looked back on it, I was like, wow, like I knew it all along. Mm-hmm. And I just because of my personality, just tried to will my way through it to yeah. the next thing of just like, okay, this sucks. This person cheated on me or this didn't work out or this da 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 or this really hurt me, this upset me. And because of my personality, I was just like, we're just going to move forward. Yeah. You know, like, yes, yay, God, heal me. This upsets me. I cry, whatever. But, like, it's just on to the next thing. And then, you know, what I didn't realize was you can push those things down as much as you want to, and they truly can go down, but they don't go away. Yeah. And then eventually we're almost like a volcano effect of something catastrophic is going to hit you so big that you can't push it down. And instead of it just being that one thing, then it all is going to come out. So looking back on that, do you feel like that you saw those things building up and you kind of were like me in the sense you're like, I'm just going to will my way to the next thing? Or do you feel like that you underestimated a lot of those things and it was more almost kind of this death by a thousand cuts that all of a sudden it caught you off guard? Like, did you know that you were not okay inside? Yeah, I I totally knew that I wasn't okay. Um, And I think some of that comes back to just you know, like I mentioned before, knowing myself, I'm very self-aware and knowing, you know, where I'm at and what I'm dealing with. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm not someone who can really shove things away, but I will say that I think I felt so much just pressure from being a missionary and working in missions and serving on the staff team with people that I just felt like it's, it was like, I was like, talking and screaming for help but I just felt like nobody was actually hearing me Um, and I think that's so you know relatable just in everyday life like you can tell a million people the same story but when you have one person who finally actually hears you you feel like okay what I said was heard and now I think I'm ready to move forward and deal with that and you know God's had to work a lot on my heart in just the area of forgiveness um because I, I think that was something I, I wasn't really quickly able to extend in that relationship that didn't go so well. And, and so I think part of it was me holding on to unforgiveness that was kind of holding me back from my breaking point and dealing with it all. Um, but then another part of it was just kind of the fast paced way of, of all the schools and the ministry that I worked in. I mean, we just kept getting new students after new students and leading different trips. That There was never any pausing point in it all of reflecting of you know and and stepping away that was that is what was crazy to me is that in my head I never considered you don't have to do this and so it's kind of crazy that I just really like lived my life out of this obligation and I think at the end of the day I would have taped it over with I'm serving God so but someone really said it best um, when I came home to me they said you know, we all say we want to be used by God, but honestly, like, I just felt, yeah, I feel used by God. Like, I feel like I'm out here doing things for um, the sake of his name and ministry, and yet this is what I, I feel from it all. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, I know he's always right. He's always good. And I don't say that in this, I like, I know his heart and I know it's good. And so I'm able to know that at the end of the day, if my thinking and um, my heart are not in a place of really understanding his ways. It's me and my thinking that needs to change, or there's something I'm not I'm not getting here. So one of the things that I volunteer very heavily at my church, and one of the things we do every year is we have all these different churches from literally around the world come in, and it's just a weekend dedicated to them where there's kind of these honest conversations of pastors to pastors, worship leaders to worship leaders, and this, that, and the other, as you can kind of imagine. I don't need to go through the ranks of <laughs> different full-time staff positions at a church. But one of the things this year that really stuck out to me was opening the weekend uh, 
the pastor of my church, you know, asked for everyone's heads down, which was kind of, I was like, okay, where's he going with this? Obviously we're all on the same team. Yeah. Like hopefully we don't need to give an altar call <laughs> here, but you know, he asked for anyone that was ready to quit or felt like they were burnt out or felt overwhelmed to raise their hand. And there was probably a couple thousand people, I would say 2000 people, maybe less than that, at least, at least a thousand. I know that in the room and I want to say 80 plus percent people raise their hands. And so kind of where I'm going with that is a, just the ministry standpoint of I've never done it full. I mean, I would like to think yeah. that we're all full time, <laughs> but, <ministry, we> <laughs> but, but like, that's my job. That's what I'm yeah. going. I still kind of have a, a secular, you know, job title right now and all that stuff. So I can't, I don't want to pretend like I know what you've gone through, but I, you know, I'm very close to the staff at our church and we're always talking where I'm going with this was the one thing that you said that really stuck out to me was, you know, kind of talking about this idea of just the amazing feeling of, wow, the first time someone actually hears me. And and I want to stay on this for just a minute, and then I want to get to where you're at today and all the hard work you're putting into all your jobs. I'm so proud of you. But I want to I wanna pick your brain for a minute of why do you think that is. And I want to set it up for a second while you think about kind of where you want to take this and your personal experience. But I don't think it's a case of people don't care because I think that, at least in America, now you've been around the world, so you can give a way better perspective than I can. But right now, I would definitely say like mental health, anxiety, all this stuff is probably in the top one, two, or three topics like in our nation today as far as people getting awareness. Um, there's all these different people that are committing suicide, depression, all across the board. It's, it's, it's again, even back to this idea of Christians, we're not immune to human things. There's been even some pastors this year, unfortunately, both even our age that have taken their life. And so I think that mental health is, is a huge topic for, for everybody because it's something we all battle. I mean, even something I've gone through this year and not suicide or anything like that, but just really this uh, just crippling depression and anxiety. And I've never felt like that before. And I still don't even know why it came and just... Anyways, but what I'm setting up with this is I feel like, especially as men, because I feel like a lot of particularly even, and again, please, I'm just going on a limb, so you tell me this is not true, but like even kind of in the ministry space, there's a lot of men in leadership roles, even just in like business. And I think that the issue, or one of the many issues is that men, we have the best intentions at heart, but like for most people or most men, we're fixers. Like I'm even guilty of that sometimes of, a friend reaches out to me, hey, I'm going through this, hey, my business, this isn't happening, I'm missing funding, I'm doing this, and I immediately go into, like, oh my gosh, that sucks, what can I do to help her? And it's from a great stand, help him or her, it's from a great standpoint, but I think that, to me, my own intuition says, and even in my journey is, or even dealing sometimes even with my own family or my parents is like, I don't need you to solve my problems, I just need you to listen. And, and not just sit there and, and, and again, I know it comes from a place of love and we want what's best, but I think that as a whole, a lot of people don't know how to listen. And so I think a lot of people don't know how to deal with people that all of a sudden are saying, hey, I'm depressed or hey, I, I have anxiety or hey, like I failed at this. And because they immediately go do like, oh crap, like I don't know how to solve that. Like she's dealing with something that's so much bigger than me that's been in her past or these many years. And it kind of like shuts people down when in reality, if they would just listen and you can just support people and say you're not alone. And that was really one of the main drivers of why I started this podcast was like every single person I've interviewed, some have way more clout than me, have millions of followers and all this, that and the other. But everyone has had this journey that you and I are going through right now of like, I'm, I'm in the desert of my faith of my purpose in life of whatever my higher power is of like, I feel like I just got dropped in the desert and I don't know what's going on, like where I am, where I'm supposed to go. Like no one's with me and every single person has to go through that. And I think that at least for me, what caught me really this year to start this year off on such a poor note was I thought something was wrong with me. Like I can't like, yes, I can tell the few people around me that I trust, but like something's off about me. But then once I start actually talking to other people, and entrepreneur type people, they're like, this is normal. Like everybody goes through this. So I'm just curious, what's your thoughts right now? Again, this isn't like till death do us part, sign the dotted line. This is my thoughts forever. But back to this idea of why do you think that, you know, you, you talked about, you shared so eloquently, like the moment 
someone finally hears me. Why do you think it takes so many moments for someone to finally hear you? Do you think it's people generally don't care? People don't know how to care. People don't know how to listen. What is kind of your intuition on this idea of why is this such a hot topic right now? And then why do we all feel like we're not getting the support that we need? Yeah, I feel like I would like just to at least genuinely believe that people are good at heart, that they care. So I wouldn't say that I don't think that people care, but I think there's a lot of different um explanations for it you know beforehand we were kind of talking about the Enneagram and how into it that I am and I get people have different you know mixed views on it but kind of how how I was telling you before for me it's been such a tool that has just helped me understand that we are all so different and what comes natural to me does not come natural to a person who's on the opposite end of a spectrum and um, I think that has helped me give grace to those who I felt maybe not heard or supported by Um, For instance, so much of of the Enneagram has just shown light in my own family of, you know, obviously dealing with some incredible mental health struggles and, you know, a lot of different questions and anxiety and whatever. You know, my even my own mom would tell you that she really struggled with knowing how to respond and react because she loves to be able to fix. And I think any person who's a mom would say that, you know, I'm not a mom, but I'm surrounded by them. And so, you know, I think when you see people in pain, your first response is, how do I, how do I make this better? And I think it's genuinely because a lot of people are just uncomfortable with, with leaving pain. And rather than understanding that oftentimes pain is like one of our greatest teachers and and lessons and it has the ability to really give us wisdom and insight I mean some of you know I was just telling um my coworker the other day like so much of who I am now in my life and who I've become have come from extremely painful and troubling experiences and so I think it's a partly you know people just not being comfortable with with leaving things um And really, and I think what has helped me be okay with that, you know, empathy is kind of just like leaking for me all the time. I feel people's pain. I see where they are. um, But I never feel the the weight to try to fix it. I just want somebody to feel seen in the midst of what they're going through to know. Because I think oftentimes, and and that was something that God really showed me in, in discipling students and people who were a few years younger than me was, Alexa, you cut me off when you try to intervene and just offer a great advice or here's the answer to the solution. Um, Because I think we underestimate the power of God to work in someone else's life. And we think that we have to be that source of fixing Um, when God may be in a in a work with them and they're just on the edge of breakthrough. If we would just allow them to process and hear where they are and encourage them in that and point them over Um, to him who's ultimately going to give them you know that healing that conclusion that sense of peace and and understanding but you know I also think too that we as people can can often get our our sights off of God and, and start to look at each other as to be a source of well I need to get my sense of affirmation or I need to get that sense of healing and purpose from this from this person next to me when I think sometimes we do need to check our hearts and and ask, am I taking this to the Lord? I mean, I think God has plenty of times in my life shown me, you're not going to get what you're looking for in human wisdom and understanding, and it's only through me. And that means sometimes operating on his timetable, which isn't fun. Um, You know, I've gone through some seasons of pain where it's been a month and then others where it's been a year. And so I think just getting comfortable with the idea that, pain exists. It's here. We walk through it. We go through it. I was just listening to um, Louis Giglio. He's one of my favorite pastors out of Atlanta at Passion City Church. Um, But I mean, his messages on mental health and anxiety and depression have been life-changing for me. Um, And on the way here, you know, that's what he was, was talking about on the message I was listening to was just like, embrace that it's a part of life and it's, you know, it's not great and no one, you know, loves it, but Jesus is with us in that. Um, and just because we're not good doesn't mean that he isn't like he is good. And I think that's always helped me in those times where I really struggle to know that, like, I might not be OK, but God is OK. And that's going to be what helps me to to get through it. This last kind of section of the podcast, because I think actually I'm, I know I'm so <laughs> excited for your book that I hope you do right. And I don't want to take any more of this amazing story away. And I know God's still working 
and, and writing that story with you together as co-authors. But talk to me about, let's transition. You, you, you kind of hinted at a couple minutes ago, you have this new passion or maybe it's not even new, but it's always been within you, but now you're acting on it. Tell me a little bit about, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know for a fact you are Hustle 101, <laughs> working your butt off, which I think is amazing. I respect anybody that does it because I've done it in my life, and I and I know how hard it is to, A, maintain a, you know, a sense of optimism about the direction you're going and, and not just like, I'm just surviving the next day. And sometimes those days do come, and, and they are a lot in this season probably for your life. But tell me about where we're at today. What's going on in your life? What what's what's important? What are you working on? Just the thousand foot view, and then and then take me into this kind of new arena that I feel like you're really starting to step into that I can see even from afar. I'm just following you on social media, so I'm, I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah. So um, kind of pick up on the end of my story. Obviously, you know, I left South Africa. I came back home, and then I'm like, now what? Um, and I just tried to. I, Anytime I go through a tough experience in my life, I have this like tenacity about me that's like, I will not leave this place or I will not leave um, this time period in my life until I see like the goodness of God in it. And I birth something great from it and bring purpose and meaning to those experiences that were painful. And so um, from the minute that I got home, I just recognized how much I had felt this tremendous fear of failure as a leader. Um, And all of my life, you know, growing up, if you would have asked me, what is it that I would have aspired to be and do, I probably would have said something along the lines, I just want to inspire people. I want to show people that they can be more than who they are today, and that they have purpose and value and potential. Um, And so, it's kind of funny. So when I when I got back home, I ended up going to a John Maxwell conference. I'd always heard of John Maxwell um, before, you know, I ever did YWAM remissions or anything just from my dad. Um, he always loved leadership, loved to use his training DVDs and books and content um, within his personal business. And so I decided to go to a leadership conference. Um, and as I was sitting through that conference, I just recognized, wow, um, this guy like has a lifetime worth of experience. He was a former pastor for about 30 years, um, kind of before transitioning into ministering to the business sector of things and pursuing a topic of, of leadership, which people at the time really gave him a lot of crap for because they were like, sounds so secular, you know, that's how, how are you bringing glory to God now when you're reaching, you know, but that was what he loved. He loved the challenge of that, of, no, I want to write books that sell to more of secular audience and just the Christians. You know, if the Christians already know who God is, why not reach out and find a different ministry tool to reach more people? And so I remember sitting in that conference and it was at the end um, that a, a young student that was also probably around my age had asked him, you know, John, what was one thing that you would have told yourself at my age? And he said, I wouldn't have personalized my failure so much. I wouldn't have taken it on me. I would have seen failure as my friend and use it as the greatest lesson that I could ever use towards moving forward in my journey towards growth. And that just broke like 25 years of chains off my life in a moment of just hearing that revelation. And, um, you know, I think my, my second favorite quote that he says, and this is something that's popular, but he just simply titles leadership as influence. So I could tell you, you know, I'm out here trying to pursue this great career in leadership, which sounds kind of obscure and people are like, huh? But the real truth is, is that now that's always been on my heart. I'm all about influence. I want to help people help others. And, you know, I think it's not too far fetched from what I did in the mission field, because when you think about missions, it's so much of a multiplication process, right? Like the Great Commission is going out and reaching the multitudes for the nations. And I begin to recognize, you know, if I want to make a, a larger impact than just the, the small scale, not to say that God doesn't care about the one, but I've also found lately finding the one is sometimes finding the leader and, and investing into those people. I mean, this ties in so much to what we've been talking about, this whole you know conversation about pastors and those in ministry. And I think it's people who have other people following them. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And we do the best to learn what we can um, from our experiences or those around us. But the truth is, is that if we rip off the mask, we're all just sitting around going, we have no idea what we're doing. And we're just trying to like learn and grow and get better. And so, you know, feeling like that failure of a leader who left my team in South Africa and now coming home and being like, what do I do? 
I feel like God just placed, um, you know, the, the idea of joining the John Maxwell team just right into my lap. And it did take me a few months to really kind of come around to, to that idea. But my dad was someone who really encouraged me to pursue it. And I think he saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself at the time, which was where are your gifts, where are your strengths? You know, my dad has always told me, Alexa, you're an excellent communicator, an excellent writer, pursue that and do that and I think you're going to find that purpose that that you're looking for I mean ultimately our purpose is in Christ and serving him and making him known but I do think you know just look at the gifts that he's given you and how you're different from the person next to you and, and how can you use that to bring him glory and pursue that so you know long story short came home and and joined the team I sent out an email at the time I didn't understand really what the John Maxwell team was um, but it was actually more of a, a remote team so you don't have to move anywhere or go anywhere but um, you go and go through the certification conference uh, conference yeah you get the license to to teach us content and, and host mastermind groups within you know your community of people we can do workshop workshops and seminars and work one-on-one with coaching and so you know, initially I went through the conference just thinking I'm going to get a lot of material that's just going to help me process these experiences I've had over two years of being a leader and and being in in situations and not really knowing what I was doing. But as I began to read, you know, so much of this content, one of my favorite things is the John Maxwell Bible. It literally just takes you through all of scripture and gives you these leadership lessons, you know, through it. But Um, I saw my life beginning to change and I was making choices and actions that were producing fruit. And I I thought, I got to share this with people because I feel like, man, this has changed my life so much. How can I help those around me be more than than where they are? While also knowing that God loves them where they are and that they have potential. And so that's kind of what I've been doing over the last six months. And um, it's funny, I feel like I've never committed to something so fervently and passionately than I am about this but I just think it came at an accumulation of looking at where has God brought me to in my life what experiences do I have what strengths and talents um, do I have to offer the world and the people around me and just putting it together and you know I don't know completely what that's going to look like Um, I'm also you know like I've told you before working two other jobs because right now I'm not necessarily there yet to be able to do this you know full time but you know I think if you can yeah, I had a guy say to me a couple of weeks ago, if you can at least use like 60% of your passions in your life, so maybe you're not getting, you know, that 60% at work, maybe it's 40% that you're using your talents and your giftings, but you spend, you know, the rest of your 60% of your, your work week or whatever out in the community doing things that you love and are inspired by, you're going to make it, you're going to feel that sense of, of fulfillment. And so that's, that's the goal. That's kind of what I'm working towards. Um, my hope is to be a full-time lifestyle and leadership coach. You know, I love the idea of working with people um, in growing their leadership, but I also just love to do life with people. Um, you know, kind of hearing that term of life coach, I thought, well, I don't know what the heck that means. It kind of sounds like a pyramid pyramid scheme or scam. But, you know, like I think I, I do have a lot of wisdom from the experiences that I've, that God has blessed me with over the past few years. And I do think he has given me, um, an incredible gift at understanding and relating to people and helping them to see where it is that they want to be and encouraging them to get there. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. God's given you a lot of gifts. That's very apparent. But I think the biggest gift that God's given you, and and this is the beauty of, of, of serving God and knowing that he cares for us, is that, you know, I, I can say this from personal experiences that, you know, I know you're still working through all the unfortunate things that you know you had to go through these past couple of years, but that will be your greatest gift as a leader because I think that it's super unique in a, in a great way, and it may not feel like a great way right now <laughs> for you, but to be so young yet so full of so many experiences. You know, I think that all of us are capable of leading people, you know, whether that's our families, whether that's, you know, our small group of interns at, at our jobs, or that's whether that's leading a, a church as a pastor or a CEO of a public company. And, and I think that some people are called, you know, to be great leaders. But I think that at the end of the day, all of us at one point in our life will have to lead people. And so I think that we all are capable of that. And I think the mistake that you, you touched on, and that's that, you know, we all feel like we have to be perfect. But I think that great leaders are, are people that are empathetic, that have been there before, 
that have struggled before because you're able to to see the people around you as not servants to me but how can I serve them and empower them and and recognize their skills and gift sets because I think you touched on that and that's an amazing thing that you're doing is it's helping those people in those communities you talked about the importance of you know you found that even going after the one it may sound silly or that may even sound like a, a, a biblical reference because it is because Jesus said he came after us he left the 99 for the one because he cares for each and every one of us but you even have the smarts and the intelligence to recognize that there are people that are called to lead that are already leaders that by, by investing time in just this one person that ripple effect comes into into play and so I'm excited for that for you so there's two questions left but one I want to ask you as we're related to on this topic that you kind of talked about this idea and I feel like that this has also kind of been a uh, one of our main things we've talked about in this episode is this idea of being self-aware of knowing who you are of knowing your gifts talk to me a little bit about because I feel like for so many people probably listening today and I can relate to this at one point in my life was I was like okay you know I'm interested in X but like how does that really like what is that as a job so so talk to me about and I know this is a huge question that we could talk about forever but like if I'm listening today and I'm like I don't really know what my gifts are like I don't really know what my passions are I don't know what my purposes on life like what are those first and again I know this could be a whole episode in itself but what are kind of those first steps in your opinion of like how do how can people learn to self-identify their gifts and, and not just like, oh, I'm good at this, but like this could be a calling for me or, or this is kind of something bigger than myself, like in, in, in your perspective. I think some of the or one of the quickest ways that you can kind of figure that out is just to look at the people around you. I mean, obviously not any random person, although sometimes that can be um, insightful, but people who know you and who love you and asking them, hey, what gifts do you see that I have? What are my strengths? Um, because sometimes, you know, I think for me, I've always had so many passions and so many different interests. Um, and, you know, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a nine. So I literally see myself in every other type, which has made me so confused and has made it really difficult to kind of nail down what do I actually enjoy and what do I not enjoy. Um, but I think taking time and just making space to stop what you're doing because I think so often we just get so busy in the going doing what we're doing that we're not even evaluating what we're doing we're not taking time to reflect so I think taking the time to reflect and say what are the aspects of my current job where I'm where you're currently at I mean this may not be where you want to be but you know asking yourself what is it that I really love that I'm doing here even if it's the smallest thing and what is it that I don't enjoy and when you find those small things you know, look back at previous positions that you've had, previous serving opportunities that you've done or trips that you've gone on. And what were those things that you enjoyed and what do they have in common? And I think write it down. I think we're so bad about just, you know, I love pen and paper. Like for me, I do my best writing and my best thinking on pen and paper and not the iPhone and not the you know, in my head thinking, but see it out before you, because there's something that happens when you ride it out. There's this active engagement. You're taking the time to really check in with yourself and figure out, okay, you know, let me look at my experiences. Let me look at what I'm doing and what is it that I like and I don't like um, about that. And then, like I mentioned before, just asking the people that love you and know you, you know, what do you see in me? What are my gifts? Um, and there may be things, though, that people affirm in you, but you don't actually enjoy doing that. And that's a really important thing, too, is just because you're good at it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you need to pour your passion into. Now, that might be what brings your income stream and, and your money and revenue, but you do have to find something that you're passionate about and excited about um, because something that, you know, John has really taught me is that passion will carry you so much further than just a sense of obligation and duty. Um, when you have passion, that is what helps you to get up and do the hard things. When, you know, you're like me right now and probably too, like you could relate, like, you know, even though you're doing something you love, it's still hard. There's still days you're like, what in the heck am I doing here? You know, this is difficult. But that passion and understanding why will always carry you way further than that sense of obligation and duty. This episode has been really interesting to me for a lot of reasons. <laughs> uh, just because I've been, not because you say anything bad or anything, <laughs> but like, 
because I've just been so self-reflective and I've had to like pinch myself a few times to like remember you're interviewing her like you need to think of the next question of because that's just how I process is I love to talk to people but then it causes me to deeply self-reflect <laughs> I do the same thing so as we all know the name of this podcast is the no more zero days podcast and it has a cheesy nice little intro for every episode but it's built around this idea that you know zero days are contagious and and that's not like I guess it is but like it is a fact for me in my life I can tell you right now I have fallen off the eating good train and exercise train for the past two weeks and I've got nothing done towards those at all and so this idea of a zero day is obviously no duh that you get nothing done towards your goal but I believe that they're extremely contagious because I believe you take one day off and you get nothing done that it, you know, it's easy to do that again the next day and then the next day and then the next day and then before you know it, you've gained five pounds like me and you're like, what the heck? But mo- most importantly, you know, I believe that so many of us look at life as either I'm doing nothing or I'm doing everything. Either I'm all in or I'm all not. That's one of my critical flaws as a Enneagram 7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm either all in or I'm all not. And it's great when I'm all in and it's terrible when I'm all not. But so I, I, I challenge people or really kind of the purpose of this podcast is for you to feel like not the pressure to either be at 100 or 0. But whatever your goal is, maybe it's losing weight, maybe it's, you know, um, becoming more self-aware and you want to do something like signing up and letting Alexa here coach you or join a class or it's, you know, asking questions with God and getting deeper in your faith or it's asking this person out that I just encourage you or challenge you, don't look at it at 0 or 100 but let's play in the 10s. Let's play in the 20 space. Let's play in the 30s. Like as long as you're getting something done towards your goal, that's what you should be aiming for, in my opinion. So I want to let you close out this podcast episode, Alexa, and whatever you want to say, I've loved your thoughts and I know that you're going to only continue to deepen them and, and new content, if you will, will be out every single day. So I encourage everyone to follow Alexa and I'll give you the plug, of course, at, at the after the conclusion of your answer. But what would you say to someone that feels like they're stuck in zero days right now, that feels like they're getting absolutely nothing done towards whatever their goal is in life? Or, you know, maybe it's a, you know, they feel alone. They're like, I've been single for so many years. And when is this person ever going to come? Maybe it's that they're stuck in this job, kind of what you talked about, but they know that their passion is in a completely different field, but they feel stuck and they feel trapped. What, what do you say to that person, whether it's motivational, whether it's practical advice, whether it's a personal story, what do you say to that person to not get them to go from zero to 100, but simply to go from zero to one? I may butcher the quote here a little bit, but um, John said something that really has changed, you know, kind of the way that I've thought about things um, in my life over the past several months, and it's that we often overestimate tomorrow. We over-exaggerate yesterday and we underestimate the value of today. And I think that really is true, that we spend a lot of time beating ourselves up about how yesterday went and what we didn't do. Um, And another quote he says I love is that yesterday ended last night. And I think that's a a great quote that should really encourage you when you're down in the dumps and you're hating, you know, mistake that you made or whatever is, hey, that that was over last night. But, you know, it's even the flip side of the coin when things are going really great and you just excelled. Can you put that in the past of, of yesterday and go, OK, that was great. We're celebrating it. But then now what's today? Um, because I think that really that's all that we have um, is this moment right here, right now, what we're doing with it. And, you know, you're going to have days where you don't get done all that it is that you were hoping for or wanting to do. Um, but I think pausing, reflecting and saying, what is what is the one thing that I can do right now um, that's going to add value to my life, that's going to take me into one step of, of where it is that I want to be? And because I think even, you know, in the whole overestimating tomorrow, we just are always thinking, well, I'll do it then and I'll do it. You know, I think anything that you don't change daily, you won't you won't be able to like really see that into fruition in your life. Um, and that's really challenging for someone like me. And so I do offer that encouragement if I'm really struggle with the practicality of things. I'm a daydreamer all day long. Let's talk inspiration and woohoo, like, you know, dream of all these places where we want want to go. But when it comes to like putting the rubber to the road and just putting in the hard work to do today what I don't want to do, 
Um, that's where I've really struggled. And so I think, you know, not allowing yourself to be ruled by those feelings, um, I've really had to ask myself too, what am I going to feel better about later? Not what do I feel right now? Um, and so my last encouragement, I guess, is just that you're not stuck. I mean, we are incredible, powerful, God-breathed human beings who have the power to change our life and make it different if we don't like where we are. But it does start with us and making that choice. So that would be my encouragement. If you couldn't tell, I was truly challenged by today's episode as I definitely talked way more than I normally like to uh, whenever I'm interviewing different guests. However, a lot of these topics were super close to home for me and relatable. In all honesty, I couldn't help myself. I really loved Alexa's heart for God, uh, growth, uh, leadership, and empowering those around her. I loved her talking about this idea and principle of identifying leaders in her community that may seem like just one person, but what the impact of that one person can do for the community, uh, the state, and ultimately the world is is truly an amazing thing to think about and one that's truly inspired me to rethink and reshape the way I spend my time and how I develop other people around me. So I thank you again for listening to another episode. Super excited uh, to see what's going to come from this podcast. I've loved um, hearing all the positive reviews, DMs, messages, emails, and everything I've gotten around it. And I've loved um, all the different stuff that the guests have shared with me that you, when you've reached out to them or, you know, you've, you're a part of their friend circle. So I just genuinely appreciate you listening to today's episode and I hope you have a great day.